0: A Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. This is The Health Hacker with Adam at Dougal, and on each episode, Adam looks at one topic and then pulls it all apart because there's so much information out there and then gives you simple hacks that you can apply to your life. Keep your comments coming through on the podcast app and also suggestions for episodes. And Adam, one suggestion I know you get quite a lot, and now we're going to do an episode on it. Nay, we're going to do two episodes on it because there's so much to get through, is hacking your way through all day energy so you're not peeling yourself out of bed and then crawling back to bed at the end of the day. We want you bounding out of bed in the morning and then still pretty fresh when you go going to bed at night. So Adam, why <laughs> do you think people are asking you this so much?
1: Well, I think the quality of our lives are determined by how much energy we have, how much zest we have, how much capacity we have to go out and enjoy the things that we want to enjoy. And so many of us are struggling every single day. We're tired, we're stressed, we're overworked, and the only way we get energy is at the end of a, a nice hot coffee. And um, it's you know usually short lived, and it's the, lo- the wrong place to look uh, often as well because uh, that energy is really just covering up some other big holes in our bodies and our health that is causing this lack of energy. So it's been amazing the last couple of years, Alex, they've really discovered so much about this thing called mitochondria. And this is the key to energy. If you looked at one thing that you could really tap into to improve your energy levels, it's mitochondria. Now, if you don't know what they are or you don't know anything about them, this is a great podcast to start with because we're not going to get too geeky, but we're going to actually show you some practical tips on how to power up these power plants of the cells, essentially. Um, you know What they are is that they turn the food and the oxygen um, into the form of ATP, which is what powers the biochemical reactions in your cells. Um, Mitochondria are used by every single cell in our body to function. Um, So they're very, very important. And I, I don't think a lot of people would be aware of what they are and the things that contribute to building them and obviously not killing our mitochondria, which is another thing that a lot of us do with lifestyle.
0: All right, so we need these mitochondria to make ATP to fuel our cells and keep us being nice and healthy. And before we touch on how to get our mitochondria more healthy, we want to stop them from dying first. And what's the biggest cause of killing mitochondria?
1: Well, the main thing is... Oxidative stress, um, it sounds complicated, I know, um, a lot of us are probably taking vitamins at the moment to, to reduce oxidative stress. If you think of oxidisation, it's like the rust on our cars, you know, the brown colour that happens when it starts to rust, or you might, um, actually take a bit of fruit, cut it open and after a while, leaving it to the, to the oxygen, it then becomes very brown, um, so we don't realize it, but our own bodies are actually rusting as well. And, um, you know, it's a result of stress and, and, and external factors like environmental things, toxins, smoking, sugar, bad diets. Um, these are all basically causing this oxidative stress in our bodies. And uh, it leads us down the path of obviously weight gain and and chronic illness um, as a result of our mitochondria not being able to to work properly. So we need the right nutrients um, and we need the right uh, amounts of oxygen as a result of exercise to make sure that our mitochondria are given the nutrients that they need to survive and thrive. Um, And for me personally, that's where lifestyle controls a lot of our energy. You know, a lot of people, as I said earlier, are looking for a short-term fix, whether it's through coffee or, or through other, some sort of stimulant. Um, but the best way to do it is by eliminating junk and crap food and ha- and habits that can inhibit mitochondrial uh, function, such as stress and and uh, not getting the right sleep and whatnot.
0: Let's go to food now, Adam. What should we be having to make sure we're fueling the mitochondria with the right amount of food, with the right food?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, I like to obviously start with a negative. We should be making sure in the simplest way, just avoiding crap food, junk food, processed food, sugars and empty calories... Um, because they're inflammatory. And this is the really interesting thing, that inflammation is damaging to mitochondria. So eating these empty calories, as I like to call them, sugar in particular, really damages the mitochondria because the mitochondria can't burn the sugar fast enough. So it ends up storing uh, um, this energy as fat and it creates a lot of free radical damage. Um, So the less sugar you eat, the better you're going to be. So the other thing that you might want to avoid as well is too much carbohydrates just in general from healthy grains. as they also can turn into sugar pretty quickly. Um, I know that there was research done at Yale University and they found that excessive carbohydrates and things like pasta, rices and whatnot, led to significant changes in the shape and function of mitochondria, um, particularly in our brain. So our major organs are the areas that use the most mitochondria and contain the most mitochondria because they're so demanding of energy. So think about your heart, you think about, you know, big organs like your lungs um, and your brain. These are the organs that really are impacted by bad lifestyle and poor choices when it comes to mitochondrial health. So trying to get rid of the crap out of your diet um, is a really, really big um focus. Um, We did uh, recently interview Dr. Dale uh, Bredesen um, about um, Alzheimer's disease and and dementia. And and I did mention in that uh, interview with him that eating too many of these carbohydrates can also cause something that we refer to now as type 3 diabetes, which is essentially Alzheimer's and dementia. So rapid inflammation uh, resulting from excessive carbohydrates really affects our hormone production and regulation. And this is also important for our mitochondrial function. So making sure we're cutting out a lot of the stuff um, in our cupboards that are high in sugar and high in processed carbohydrates. Another thing we might want to look out for, Alex, when we're speaking about uh, carbohydrates too, is being very wary of carbohydrates that would have been exposed to pesticides and toxins. So making sure that we're looking for for, for vegetables and fruits that are organic when you can. Um, going and looking at the dirty dozen, there's a list of fruits and vegetables out there. That, they're called the dirty dozen. So these are vegetables and fruits that you must eat organically because they've exposed and been proven to be... Ex- to be very heavy in these toxins and pesticides. So trying to actually look for things that are organic is a great first step as well. Um, and trying to eat um, animals that have been pasteurized um, and not um, farmed animals, um, your free-range chickens, um, your grass-fed beef, um, that's a really, really important step as well. Um, and then eating the rainbow. The more colour on your plate, the more photonutrients that are available. Um, and these are going to protect and, and nourish the mitochondria as well. And particularly load up on your greens, Alex, you know, they're they're rich with sulfur, Um, things like cauliflower, cabbage, and they help your body produce something called glutathione, which is really the mother of all antioxidants. Um, And it's very important for our cellular health. So whatever you do, make sure you're eating plenty of colorful plants because they're packed with so many great things, antioxidants, photonutrients, and these really, you know, nourish the mitochondria. And, you know, if you can, you know, aim for about 12 servings of them a day, that's a really, really good start as well.
0: But Dirty Dozen for 2019 are strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, and potatoes. You just Google the Dirty Dozen, and they're the ones that are most likely to have pesticides. So if you want to put your money towards buying something organic, because organic's expensive, pick the ones from that list.
1: Great tip, Alex. And if you can't afford it, and this is what I do as well, I I actually go and get them vegetables, and that's amazing I look back now and uh, now that I've got kids, I've become a little bit more conscious about germs and whatnot. But I remember I'd go to the supermarket and I was one of them guys that would touch a thousand bits of fruit and vegetable. Then I'd come home and I'd hardly wash it. (laughs) I'd Just, you know, maybe throw it in the microwave, zap it for a few seconds and then eat it. And then it wasn't until I had kids and, you know, I suppose I went to daycare and I seen all these study little kids realizing (laughs) how dirty people's hands were and their habits were that I started to then put my vegetables in and soak them. So here's a great tip. If If you don't want to go organic or you can't afford it from what, of a reason, which is fair enough. You can actually fill up your, your um, sink at home with water, put a bit of vinegar in it, and actually let the vegetables stay in there for about 10 to 15 minutes and then you know run them under warm water and give them a nice scrub. And that will get a lot of, rid of a lot of these pesticides and, and toxins as well um, that, that have been part of the agricultural process. So there's more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to eating healthy.
0: Adam, on top of the dirty dozen, you also mentioned it's important to buy grass-fed
1: meat. Why is that? It's a great question, Alex. And a lot of people, you know, still go to the butcher and they don't really know the difference. And uh, grass-fed beef is much better for you for a number of reasons. Um, they contain up to three times the amount of CLA, which is a, a, a specific um, fat, um, compared to grain-fed uh, meat. It's also been found to be much higher in the omega-3s to omega-6s. Now, we know that our diets now are too high in omega-6s. Now, omega-6 fats are inflammatory fats compared to omega-3 fats, which are anti-inflammatory. So... You know, we know that diseases are caused by having too much inflammation, um, that, you know, our diets are really, you know, causing a lot of inflammation. So any way that we can get our inflammation in our body down, the better. And the best way to do this is by eating grass-fed meat rather than grain-fed because it's much higher in the healthy omega freeze They also contain higher levels of antioxidants like vitamin E and A. So it's much better to eat... Uh, animals that have been in their natural environment eating their natural diet. Because when you think about it, animals that have been grain fed, they're eating a diet that's inflammatory to them as well. And then we're ingesting that animal. So it's really passing down the food chain, that inflammation to us as well. So if you can afford it, um, and it's not much more expensive, go and eat grass fed meat. And I tell you what, it tastes absolutely beautiful.
0: Adam, you mentioned a good fat is omega-3 and fish are full of omega-3. So I assume fish is great to help our mitochondria, right?
1: Certainly are. Omega-3s are so important. They're found in fish in really good amounts, particularly in you know salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herrings. So if you're going to eat any type of fish, they're the fish you want to really try to get. And the reason that these omega-3s are so beneficial to us is because they help build up the mitochondria's protective membrane. So the, the casing of the, the, the mitochondria and this results in more energy for you, um, you know, and you just really want to avoid fish that are high in mercury. So, you know, once again, look for wild caught fish as much as you can. Um, and this is really the best way to do it. And, you know, while the mitochondria can use either fatty acids or carbohydrates to create the ATP that it needs to produce energy. Um, Doing so with fat is a lot more efficient as it creates less free radical byproducts. So when your mitochondria are trying to produce energy for the for the cells, they're gonna have this excess um, fuel that they've burned off to produce the energy. And if you're using carbohydrates, you're gonna have more reactive oxygen species as a result of using carbohydrates for fuel rather than fat. So once again, you know, any way that you can get more fat on your on your plate, particularly from good sources that are higher in omega-freeze, the better.
0: So Adam In the last episode with Dr. Dale Bredesen, we spoke about how dairy can sometimes be inflammatory. However, in this episode, we're also talking about how fats are used by mitochondria. So are things like butter and cheese and cream, are they something we should be avoiding or is that okay in small doses because it's still giving us some fat?
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, once again, we have to be very careful of what we're eliminating from our diets and, and what people are saying is bad or good. And, you know, all foods serve a purpose in our bodies. And, and it's very, very important to realize that dairy is a very, very helpful food source for our diets. And, you know, it all plays a role. The problem is, is when people go on these extreme diets and they start guzzling down, as you, as you know, like the, the uh, Atkins diet for a number of years was very popular and people were like drinking gallons of cream or eating lots of cheese and stuff like that. So it's about finding what works for you and you know, research has shown time and time again, people that have a diet that includes dairy Have much lower rates of um, diabetes, have much lower rates of obesity, have much more robust health. So, dairy is very, very important. And, and, you know, you look at any athlete's diet, they use a lot of dairy based products to build muscle and and to uh, be very uh, performance based. So, you know, dairy is very good for you, but you just got to be careful with the amount of of food that we particularly eat. I think, you know, most people now, um, only a small percentage are gluten intolerant or, or lactose intolerant, but I think what has happened because we've got so much of these things in our diets. Now, look, look at the average person, most people have three or four coffees a day and you know they're usually you know, half a liter of milk in them coffees. And that's the problem. It's, it's lactose overload and gluten overload. We're eating way too much of these foods in our diets compared to what we, our ancestors used to. So I don't think they're bad per se in isolation. I think what happens is the, the actual quantities of these foods that we're ingesting is the problem.
0: Adam, as always, I suppose it's about not going to extremes with everything. Hey, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, how are you getting your omega-3s and, and the best foods for you for mitochondria?
1: Yeah, it's really hard. And and this is the interesting thing about a vegan diet is that, you know, most vegans will try and get their omega-3s and things like chia seeds and, and flax seeds. And, and um, you know, a lot of these sources, some people try to get it from algae. Um, it's very, very hard. And, and we know that, um, you know, a lot of these plant-based forms of omega-3s are not broken down well by the body and converted um, into short-chain fatty acids. So it's a very, very hard thing for vegans to actually get enough omega-3s in their diet. Therefore, um, that's why they have to supplement and be very good with their supplementation, particularly when you're not eating um, a lot of these fishes and you're not eating you know grass-fed meats and nuts um, and egg yolks and, and stuff like that. It's very, very tough. The
0: Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. All right, Adam. I've been looking forward to asking this question. I've heard that red wine is good for mitochondria. Please say yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually the resveratrol in the red wine that is important to improve mitochondrial function. Um, so it's the the making of the grapes, and 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 that's what really makes the red wine healthy as such. And. Um, it's a great antioxidant and it's a plant molecule of uh, erysterol, so it is um, very helpful. Um, <laughs> but once again, there's a lot of controversy around wine. You know, a lot of people say that the uh, the side effects of drinking alcohol are, uh, outweigh uh, the benefits of the the amount of erysterol that you will get in the wine, um, but dark chocolate's another Amazing compound that they found; that's had a huge benefit of mitochondrial health. So, um, there's some really great little micronutrients in the dark chocolate that has been uh, found to really help uh, with mitochondria. And uh, pistachios are another one as well. So, um, you know, there's some really indulgent foods out there that we can tap into and enjoy with a glass of wine. That's going to help our mitochondrial health.
0: So, Adam, I feel like a few of the topics we've spoken about in other episodes might tie into mitochondrial health. Um, Picking one at random about fasting, does fasting help it?
1: You're on fire, Alex, mate! It certainly does And I know that you've gotten to fasting, and it's really interesting that mitochondria, you know, are really energy-producing cells. And how do we create energy? We provide the cells of energy, and the best way to provide the cells is by not making them have to work too hard by overeating or being obese and overweight, um, by moving to, to stimulate the cells. Um, so. You think about it, it; makes practical sense that intermediate fasting or calorie restriction is a great way to improve mitochondrial function and, and increase our longevity and our energy. Um, it, it's believed that by cutting, you know, your eating window down, like from a typical sort of standard eating window for most people out about sixteen hours, which is absolutely incredible, to roughly you know eight to ten hours, um, you're going to reduce the mitochondrial free radical production and damage. So. Try and avoid eating several hours before you go to bed. We know we spoke to Dr. Dale Brennison about the importance of this as well for the brain and whatnot. Um, but that is the key as far as I'm concerned about fasting and about time-restricted eating and, and whether or not people eat breakfast or whatnot, you know, it's been proven for us, okay, that clocks, that ancestrally we're much better off eating our calories earlier in the day than later in the day. And one of the benefits to this is the fact that our body is more attuned to breaking down and processing food earlier in the day, whereas in the evening it's starting to wind down and try and repair and recuperate. Um, and going to bed with a full stomach, we now know, is not good, uh, particularly for the brain, uh, for the glymphatic system, which is the system that essentially cleans out and washes the brain um, and allows the body to recover and repair, particularly the gut. We know the importance of the gut. We really need to take pressure off these major organs in our body. So trying to at least not eat... at two to three hours before you go to bed is really, really important. And this will certainly um, give your mitochondria the the opportunity to repair and rebuild themselves that they require.
0: Remember Dr. Nick Fuller, when we spoke to him also talked about um, going the opposite way when you're eating, start with the biggest meal at breakfast and slowly taper down to dinner as opposed to people starting small and gearing up towards a big dinner. It's a really good hack.
1: It is a good hack and, you know, but there's a lot of research also, which is really interesting. That's what I love about what we do. It's about hacking it for yourself because recent research has come out from a university where they actually had different groups of people and um, they looked at the gastric load on on people's bodies and energy and and, and wellness and weight gain and whatnot around a liquid breakfast versus a solid uh, meal for the first meal of the day. And they actually found huge benefits to people that had a liquid breakfast um, to try and sort of ease their bodies into that process in the morning because, you know, as you know, digestion really takes up a lot of the energy of what, what, what uh, our bodies use every single day. So um, that made a lot of sense to me as well. And, and um, you know, so if, if you're one of them people that, you know, struggles to get up in the morning and you don't have a huge appetite, maybe start with a liquid style of breakfast in the morning and it's a lot easier on your body as well.
0: So Adam, moving away from food now, let's talk about exercise. What should we be doing to help our mitochondrion health and to help promote energy?
1: we we now know that mitochondria take food and oxygen and turn it into energy. So we've spoken about the food part and now it's the oxygen part. So what's the best way to increase your oxygen uptake? Um, That's through exercise. And, you know, I I say time and time again the best way um, to exercise is through high intensity training and just moving in general, just walking, um, moving the body. um, And this will force the body to produce more mitochondria to keep up with the demands of the high intensity exercise and the fact that we're always moving. And, you know, if you aren't expending energy or using up your oxygen, then your body will become complacent and your mitochondria won't grow. So that's my tip. Get out there and do some HIIT exercise, move as much as you can. You know, in fact, a recent study found that you know, exercise caused cells to make more proteins for the energy producing mitochondria and their protein building ribosomes, which slowed aging at the cellular level, which boosted um, our overall wellness and health. So it's it's pretty obvious. The research is there that exercise is very important. Um, and if you take care of your mitochondria of exercise, you're not only going to get leaner, but you're going to get smarter as well. And you're also going to age much better and have more energy.
0: All right, Adam. Now you sent me a note saying we're going to talk about light when it comes to mitochondria and health. And I've been trying to figure out how they connect. And I thought I would have (laughs) figured it out by now, but I haven't. So I'm just going to ask you why light?
1: Um, well, I always say that light's been the worst and best invention that we've created as human It's thrown out our whole schedule as far as when we eat, how, how well we sleep, when we go to bed, um, the blue fake lights that are emitted from our computers and our phones disrupts the production of the master hormone melatonin, um, and mitochondria talk to each other. So when some mitochondria really? suffer, they all suffer. Yeah. So they communicate. So this is the amazing thing. And light is an important nutrient that plays a significant role in telling your mitochondria what to do and when to do them. And, um, Different lights actually trigger different signals in the cells. Um, so, you know, how do you actually use the light to your advantage? So, the most important thing is just as soon as you wake up, getting out into the sunlight first thing in the morning. We know that it resets your body clock, um, and sunlight is so important for, for vitamin D. Um, so, just get out, it's free, anyone can do it, and it gives your body a full spectrum of light as opposed to the white LEDs and fluorescents in most buildings, um, which lack many of the spectrums that contribute to the biological function and particularly the production of vitamin D. So... Vitamin D is so important, but most of us now are looking into a vitamin jar to get it and in a supplement level, and this can become very toxic. So you have to be very careful you don't overdose on vitamin D in a pill. Um, It's much harder to overdose on vitamin D from the sun. You're going to get sunburnt and get out of the sun before that happens. But a great hack that a lot of the hackers in America are doing, and I have started playing around with it mainly because I'm worried about dementia and Alzheimer's and some of the head injuries I, I received as a footballer, is a a device, which is a red light device, and it's called photobiomodulation. And essentially, it's a, it's a thing that you stick up your nose. Um, it sounds pretty strange, I know, Alex, um, <laughs> but it, it essentially sends a red light um, up into your brain. And it's been shown to help with energy, um, reduce uh, free radicals, and um, as I said, even reduce the effects of Alzheimer's disease. So um, there's some really interesting technology that's using light to um, increase our health and wellness.
0: So, Adam, the light that's not good for us is the blue light as opposed to yellow light like sunlight. Is that right?
1: That's, well, yeah, look, natural light's perfect. And, you know, we spoke about it before, for LED lights, these are unnatural lights and they throw out our circadian rhythms and they obviously, you know, don't provide any vitamin D and they keep us up for odd hours of the night and, and they disrupt our melatonin production. But, you know, grabbing your phone first thing in the morning is one of the worst things you can do um, for yourself, you know. Um, the blue light, you know, it's much less natural than the, the sunlight and it confuses our body clock um, and disturbs our sleep, which we spoke about. But um, it also puts you in the wrong mental state as well, Alex. So instead of starting your day Off with good intentions. You then go into defense mode straight away because you're getting emails or you're you're checking text messages. So, you know, not only is blue light from phones and technology not good for us, but it also puts our mental state in a bad place as well.
0: Maybe buy an analog digital clock and just use that and keep your phone in your bag until you're (laughs) wide awake and you're at
1: work. And look, you know, stress is a huge thing. We speak about mitochondrial health and just health in in general. And, you know, recent studies have shown that, you know, meditation, which, you know, used to be woohoo a few years ago, but it decreases oxidative stress, which once again helps support mitochondria. They've even shown that, you know, sunbathing um, in the natural environment. So sunlight, you know, we spoke about as being very powerful for mitochondria. But going out into to the natural environment is also shown to reduce stress levels. So um, green bathing, so going out into a natural environment where there's trees and whatnot. Um, so you know, all these things, um, you know, trigger change inside our cells, which will boost the mitochondria. You know, just relaxing as such um, has helped increase the uh, the amount of mitochondria that, that's produced by the the body. And, you know, speaking of chilling out, getting cold, Alex, is another hack, you know, we've spoken about in past episodes, but, um, you know, basically exposing your body to, to short bursts of cold um, triggers the production of, of mitochondria as well by fooling the body to think that it's going into survival mode. So um, cold showers, um, you know, particularly this time of the year are something that you could, could hack into as well. Um, and, you know, even not dressing um, for winter, going just out into a t-shirt and a pair of shorts a few times a week could be something you do as well. So it's really, really interesting. And, and, you know, there's so much available hacks out there that are free and, you know, don't cost us any money. And it's amazing. It's just going back to, you know, looking at how our ancestors lived a bit more and, and not going overboard and, and um, becoming hippies and, and, you know, not wearing shoes like I do and doing some weird stuff, but just finding the medium road and exposing our body to lots of different little stimulus.
0: Adam, we do get on our high horse though a bit and preach about go for long swims, make sure you're out in the sun, like people are busy. So if you are going to go down the supplement road, what do you think is the best thing to take?
1: Yeah, we're human beings. We're all looking for the shortcut. And, you know, unfortunately, we've become a society now that, uh, you know, if any ill, we're looking for a pill to cure it. And, um, you know, supplement industry is a huge industry now. And look, I'm involved in it myself. And, you know, there are some really interesting um, nutrients out there that we can get in the form of of supplements um, that will help out our mitochondria. Um, There's stuff out there like B vitamins, for example. They're really, really important um, to help with the uh, conversion of, uh, you know, food into energy. Um, Q10. Uh, is another huge one. Fish oils, which we spoke about the omega freeze. Um L-carnitine, uh, magnesium is another one. A- another one which is, is really, um, really interesting too is uh, ribose um, and PQQ, um, which researchers have found not only protected mitochondria from uh, oxidative damage, but it also stimulated the growth of new mitochondria. So there's some really exciting supplements on the market. Um, so yeah, there, there's some really, you know, Cheap and uh, effective supplements on the market, like Q10, is very cheap. And uh, as you get old, your body produces less of it, so we should be looking to, to supplement with that. We all know that vitamin B is, um, you know, something that that can really give us some more energy. So there's some really t- tried and tested supplements out there that will really help with mitochondria health and our energy, which is what we're looking for.
0: For more information about everything Adam talks about, head to adamatdougall.com.au themanshake.com.au for after that liquid breakfast and get in touch with us at podcastone.com.au. Adam, looking forward to episode two of Hacking Into Energy. We'll speak then. Speak then, mate. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell.
1: Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes head to podcast1.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or find us on Apple Podcasts.